This is Terry Crosby. Andy Steiger. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you understand and speak the language of our culture and address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. Welcome back, listeners, for another week. It's Andy and I here today, but we have a special guest, and we will get into him shortly for sure. But uh, how was your week, Andy? Uh, week has been good. I went down to Deception Pass with the family and friends, had a great time. I uh, did something I've never done before. I put on a wetsuit and a snorkel and braved the frigid cold waters of uh, nice. Yeah, the... Pacific. (laughs) (laughs) Had a good time. Had a good time. Nice. Yeah. Now you, just so our listeners are aware, Terry's got a 50 mile run coming up. I do. What's the countdown on that? Three days. Okay. Now now give me a percentage, Terry. What percentage? in kilometers, that's 80, about 82, 83 kilometers. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. How much of that do you think you'll actually be running? Oh, man. I mean, there's 8,700 feet of elevation climb as well. So you're running 50 miles on top of the elevation. So wherever I can run, I will run. But if it gets steep and I can't run, then it's it's a hikeish. I feel like we should be taking bets on at what kilometer mark will Terry be thinking, this was a terrible <laughs> idea. I should have yeah. never yeah. done well, this. Well, the weather itself is thunderstorms. This weekend, so on top of everything he just else, can't win. Just, no, see, last year, listeners, he <laughs> he couldn't do it because of forest fires. Yeah. Now this year, I saw hit, that on the, the I'm gonna get weather. Hit by lightning. Yeah. <laughs> Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Good well, luck, thanks. Terry. Yeah. Saturday, everybody can have a little yeah. say a little prayer there. Yeah. Our on. prayers are with you. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, we're in studio with a guest, and his name is Ken Keys. He is the president and CEO of Consulting Resource Group International. He is an author, motivational, and international speaker for the past 28 years, 29 years, something like that. 30. 30. Okay, we're up to 30. He is the co-creator of CRG's proprietary development models. These unique development models assist individuals, families, teams, and organizations to realize their potential and purpose in emotional, mental, psychological, intellectual, interpersonal, (laughs) physical, financial, and spiritual areas of life. So we are here today to discuss one of his books uh, that he wrote a number of years ago, I think 2014, Why Aren't You More Like Me? Discover the Secrets to Understanding Yourself and Others. This is the first book you wrote, isn't it? Well, actually, I had another book, which was called The Source Experience, was the predecessor to the Quest for Purpose book, which you endorsed way back when. So this actually is the third edition. The very first version of that was written by Everett Robinson, who is the co-author of this one. Now, I've got to tell people, I got in my hands here a signed copy of Ken's book, and it's kind of funny how this all came about. Because I was, we have a mutual friend named Trevor, who is a business coach. And Trevor invited me out to this personality style indicator. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I trust Trevor. You know, I'm not big into those personality style things. And so I I figured, well, I'll go and check this out. Well, I fell in love with what's referred to as the PSI. I fall in love with this thing. I go onto Amazon. I buy this book. 
and I read this thing, and I see on the back cover here this picture. You can see that, right, Terry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, of Ken. I didn't really make anything of this because I figured, who, you know, you probably live somewhere in, you know, the United States or something, I figured. Well, then I'm giving a talk at Northview one day for Apologetics Canada. I'm, I'm giving a talk. And in the crowd, I see a guy who looks exactly like the picture on the back of this book. And I think to myself, this can't possibly be. So Ken was at my session, and I then proceeded to tell him how wonderful his book is, and then he signed it for me. So thank you, Ken, for signing that. <laughs> wow, look at that. Oh. You're welcome. Right there. And so we live about... Andy, you are the greatest person. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa, no. Keep living up. Did I write that? <laughs> I obviously, was scratched up for some reason. I was the for sure a broad speaker right I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, well so was, you live right here. You live. Well, I'm eight minutes from you. Yeah. Wow. The irony of that was just hilarious. So you're right down the road, and I have monopolized on that over the years. You have abused the privilege. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably wow. a little. That's probably okay. a little more accurate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because listen, ministry leaders out there. Just to give you a little insight into one of the things I do with my leaders is we walk through. This work with them, uh, the PSI. Now, I have the privilege of getting Ken to come in and to lead it for me, which he does an incredible job. Uh, let me just toot your horn for a second there, Ken. Ken is one of the, one of the best speakers, honestly, that I know, in particular his – I mean, you've been doing this for 30 years. His understanding of this material is amazing. And its ability to help people to understand themselves is huge. So that's one of the reasons why we're having this interview today that, that we asked Ken if he would come and we could dialogue on this. Because talking about personality is something that has been so influential in my thinking, not only as a pastor, but as a Christian and mm-hmm. you know, understanding myself. And maybe as we get into this journey, Ken, tell us a little bit about your own personal journey into personality styles. How did you find yourself into this? I actually grew up on the dairy farm, so I'm really close to my original (laughs) profession. But I do, even when I was 16, that I love speaking and training. And by the way, I've done the PSI workshop over a thousand times. So you have to, hopefully you get better (laughs) (laughs) after a thousand and three thousand workshops. So... The reality is, is that in when I was in my late 20s, I was looking at getting into my own training company. So I actually bought a sales training franchise and they had a, a mock personality kind of thing in that franchise. And it was quite frankly, terrible. But through a divine intervention, and I believe this, I went to a chamber event, event and met Dr. Terry Anderson, who is the founder of CRG who actually was the initial creator of the personal style indicator. And the reason he created it is he really disliked some of the other ones out there. We've talked about a disc or Myers-Briggs for his psychology courses at a Christian university. So the tool was built from a Christian worldview or a biblical view, if you want to talk of that worldview, that we have this uniqueness. And I met Terry at this chamber event. And within two weeks, we moved our offices together. He ended up being best man at my wedding. And then there we go. And then I bought the company from him in 2002. 
but before that, I was VP of marketing. Then I left ahead my own training company, and I used the tools, the personal style indicators, sales style indicator, the leadership skills, all the other assessments we have in workshops I was doing for other companies like Chrysler. And they were always the highest rated programs, and they were always better received than other tools that were out there. So a little event happened called 9-11. In my contract, the next day was canceled with Chrysler. I had 12 full-time people working for me. Poof, it was gone. But that was a blessing because I was on the road 300 days a year. Nearly cost me my marriage. And so I went from really a speaker who was writing to a writer who now speaks. And my encouragement to those listening, I know when we're talking about personality styles, is that I do believe that all of us are created for a purpose and a reason, and that we need to seek that out. And part of one of the contributing clarity points is understanding our personal style. So when I was in grade nine, my grade nine teacher said I would never amount to anything because I couldn't read or write. And it was later discovered I was dyslexic. So we were uh, having fun with the word proprietary earlier, were we not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, took a, it took a few so, tries. <laughs> that's right. Like, so, so after 2,700 takes, we're finally, we started this show. <laughs> The, the truth comes out. <laughs> Exposed. Exposed. Yeah, this show gets edited, just so you know. Really? I, I don't think we need to. I think <laughs> go with. So You know what to do, Steve. So this journey, all of a sudden, you know, when we think about it, uh, and there are some people that are out at sort of in ministries who don't believe in psychology. Hang on. Who created the thing? You know, God created psychology for a reason, or he created personalities or personal styles, as we call them, for a reason. Because if we were all the same, oh, heaven forbid, you know, pardon the language, because we need the diversity to be able to kind of be out there. Now, I do believe— Let's let's just take a moment on that one. What an important concept to think about. We are all different. I mean, on your book, the front cover, you know, is a bunch of goldfish, and one of them is blue. And I think there's a lot of us that have asked this question, you know, why aren't you more like me? Especially if you've done any work in business or any management of any sort, mm-hmm. uh, or if you've done any work with volunteers, if you've, if you've worked with human beings, or if you've ever been married <laughs> or are married, you have those moments where you're like, we're different. And oftentimes we see that as a negative thing. But what you're saying, Ken, this is, this is something to be celebrated. Well, the differences can be a pain for sure at times, but absolutely. You know, there's no style that's better than another. They're simply different. However, on the other side is that our style could be the number one hindrance to building relationships with others because inherently we're a self-centered. So even though I'm uniquely and perfectly designed for my assignments and calling, I believe that. And after doing this for 30 years and thousands of people, I know that's true is that we still need to own our space, if you want to call it. Meaning my style is not an excuse for my behavior. So maybe I might be direct and driven and goal-oriented, and that's required of me as a leader to get things done. But that doesn't mean that I can run over your feelings because of that. Or the flip side, because I'm sensitive and I can sense people and I can be empathetic, that I can play the victim And in fact, those individuals in our model, they are actually invented the word sabotage. So every single style has related strengths and challenges. And sometimes our greatest strength can also be our greatest challenge. So we're trying to get people to be conscious, awake, and aware of who they are and how they show up. Now, there's two things that are happening there. On the one hand, it's important for you to understand your own personality style so that you can swing to your strengths, as you'll often put that. 
However, at the same time, you also want to know somebody else's personality style. This was a real eye-opener for me. In ministry, one of the things that, that I need to do is hire people, you know, sometimes more often than you would like. And so you're you're going through resumes, <laughs> looking at Terry, <laughs> you, know, you know, so you're going through these resumes and you're meeting with these people. And to be honest, Ken, when I first went to hire people when I was young and new to all of this, I thought you hire people that you want to work with. So if you could put your friends in those positions you know, and fill those positions with people you like being around, that would be ideal. Well, that led to some of the worst hires of my life that I regretted immensely, not just for my sake, but for their sake. And one of the things I began to realize is the importance of understanding somebody's strengths and personality style, the way that they've been created. I want to make sure that they're being put into a position that they're going to flourish in. And so that becomes an important part then about understanding somebody's personality style. Well, absolutely. A lot of times we can be guilt-ridden because I just don't seem to be able to be engaged in a job or a role or responsibility. Well, that's because it's not a job fit. No matter how much I want to have this willpower, example, Andy, if we're to put you in charge of the books at Apologetics Canada, we know this is not going to go well, right? Mm -hmm. That's why you married Nancy is so that you could have a bookkeeper and somebody that was organized. I know that was self-centering, centered on your part. (laughs) But here's the reality. That's not right. That's not wrong is that. Why would I try to be somebody who I'm not? Now, that doesn't give me, again, excuse for behavior or not you doing your expense account claims and all these kinds of things that we need to track. But it's not a great service of me or for me to be able to be in a role that's not a fit. And there's so many people that have done this. I remember doing a ministry retreat for a large denomination. And this individual who was the assistant to the president of this denomination said, my worst years of my life was being a senior pastor. I said, why is that? He says, well, everybody thinks that motivation or ambition is upwardly mobile. He said, I am way better as a support person than I am as a leader. I'm supporting the leader. That's what I'm designed to do. But it took me till my 40s to figure it out. And he had this miserable five or six years as a senior pastor. And so, and it wasn't really his fault in this way that he didn't really know what he didn't know. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is that all of us have this sort of destiny or if you want to call it preferences to be able to play to these strengths. And he wasn't doing it. And now he was back supporting the president. And he said it was it was an amazing sort of realization. And a lot of people are in this guilt right now where you're in a role where it doesn't fit, it doesn't work, and you're miserable. Well, you need to get out of there and get into your zone. I think that's such an important phrase, play to your strengths, and really to respect the strengths of other people. Now, in my own marriage at first, my wife's attention to detail annoyed me to no end, but then I began to realize this is her strength. Now, I celebrate her attention to detail as she helps with Apologetics Canada. That's her strength is that she is able to spot those issues that require somebody with an attention to detail, whether that be bookkeeping or whatever it might be. Now, here's something that I think was another eye-opening idea then that really hit me with regards to playing to your strength. Because when I first started in ministry, 
I had so many people come to me and, you know, kind of the whole arm on the shoulder, you know, be careful that you don't burn out because ministry will burn you out and, and then, you know, you're going to hate life and blah, 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 and you're going to have like a midlife crisis. One of the things that I have come to understand, and the PSI really helped me to appreciate this. And listen, if you're in ministry right now, please hear this. This, this, was, this was, again, an eye-opener moment for me, is that when you are not playing to your strength, that is when you will burn out. You know, like this pastor that you just mentioned, when he's in a role that he's not gifted at and he is spinning his wheels as hard as he can and he's trying as hard as he can to do something that he's actually not gifted at, that he doesn't have the right personality style to actually do, he doesn't even enjoy doing, you will burn out in that, you're going to hate it. Now, something can happen though on the flip side. When you start playing to your strengths, you won't burn out but you will burn out those around you, won't you? <laughs> well, it depends if it's a fit or not, right? So I think the energy, you know, when we think about engagement around the world, and so let's just go to the global Gallup study, right? Only 13% of the population actually are engaged at work, period. That's global. You and I have both been in Asia. When I was in Singapore, one of the top GDP countries in the world, 5 6% engagement, so money's not the answer. I think passion and purpose. Now, the other thing that I don't want to clarify is personal style or preferences is an independent measure from gifts, talents, and abilities. It's how we go about doing things. What do you mean by that? Can you unpack that a little bit more? <clears throat> well, a lot of times people want to link a personality to a certain career. Well, that I think that's discriminatory. I don't believe that's correct at all. And I have a chapter in the book where I talk about that, where you could have all different personalities or personal styles, as we call them, all of you pastors, but the nature of how you're about to do it or how you're going to go about doing it is going to be different. It's going to be unique for you. And so I think about a lot of sort of TV sort of personalities in this space. They all have different styles. Would you say then, just to clarify, would you say then so that you can do the same role, but the people you're going to have to have around you to support your weaknesses are going to be different then. Absolutely. And again, it goes back to, we have another tool where you measure the nature of a position, right? So you actually say, well, what does that job or role need on a day-to-day basis so that can be fulfilled? And most people don't do that work. They just said, okay, I'm going to hire the person, like you said, I like. So because there's chemistry, who do we tend to have an affinity with? People who are like us because we have this similar energy for people that that are opposite when, in fact, maybe I need to hire somebody, like you said, that is opposite, who is opposite to me to be able to fill the roles and responsibilities. Now, it's not always that way. That's where part of that analysis and paying attention. Now, there was another study done by independent company called TalentSmart. And with with the complications and complexity that we have in today's society, they said that only 2% of the population in the world will realize their potential without this knowledge. Because we take whoever we are, wherever we go. So even this idea of personal style and parenting, I mean, you have more than one child there, Andy. (laughs) And the boys are not the same, are they? Not at all. So if you were to parent, if you were to really interact with them the same way, you're actually doing one of them a disservice or maybe even both of them. 
I still remember a friend of mine who is very driven. We call it behavioral action as far as the dimension. His son was more passive, just kind of laid back. And at 15, he just called his son lazy and no good for nothing and all these things. He's now a pediatrician. I said, what are you talking about? So here's a medical doctor taking care of kids and he has a passion for those kids. So, you know, we can have a lot of judgment. I'm different. My dad used to criticize me quite openly about being, I was always talking or outspoken. And he said, well, you need to shut up. <laughs> and now I speak for a living. So I'm, <laughs> I kind of get even. So a lot of times we bring our judgments. I mean, you know, both of our kids as well, Andy, and one of our, our daughter work for you. So our daughter is completely different than our son. Mm-hmm. And so we even knew that when they're growing up, you know, from a learning style point of view, how they were going to go about doing things. Leave Stephanie alone. She's going to do her stuff on her own. If you interrupt her, you're going to bug her. Our son, on the other hand, he needed to study with us so that he could actually succeed. And he would need to sit down with us and have a chat about what was going on, where on the other side, our daughter just needed her alone time. So these different styles show up in all elements of our life. You know, an interesting example of that for me is is our offices here at Northview. For those of you who, who don't know, Apologize Canada has our offices at a church at Northview. And the office here is an open office. So there's like, I don't know, what is there, like a hundred of us in a big giant room? Yeah. It's kind of like a giant library, right? And we're all sitting at our desks doing work. And one of the things that I began to realize is when I first came here, that there were some people that needed to be, you know, said good morning to and needed five minute conversation each morning just to hear how, you know, they've been doing. And they need that, that interaction. Whereas for myself, I easily could just be locked in a closet all day and just working and I would be just fine. But it was one of those moments where I began to realize, you know, although this isn't something I need, I'm realizing that this is something that they need. And that this is an important part of a healthy work environment as I start to appreciate other personality styles in this office. And you really real, uh, recognize the personalities when you're that close. <laughs> oh, you sure <laughs> in do. this open concept. And I wonder if that's one of the reasons why I've really fallen in love with the PSI is because, you know, we do work so closely with so many people. Yeah. And you've seen it, Terry. Yeah. You immediately yeah. see the different styles yeah. that are present. For sure. I don't know how many events we've done for your leaders now. Countless. It's been a number. A dozen, maybe, maybe a little bit less. Uh, but one of the things that when we think about personal style and the purpose and, and, you know, our model is unique and it's different than the ones that are out there because we really want to honor the learner. But there's a couple of things in here that happen. And I have to be careful how I say this, but part of what happens with people who take the PSI, for many individuals, it's a self-validation. A lot of people beat themselves up for who they are because they were never appreciated for who they were when they grew up, such as myself, right? So for those of you that are listening, one of the benefits of this is that you are okay. (laughs) You know, there's not a style that we Mm. want to judge. It's really from a self-honoring point of view, not self-centered. And if I can honor sort of this uniqueness and embrace that, and then from there go into and also honor your uniqueness. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean as well? And then the dynamics of, okay, as long as we're working with people, there's going to be stuff. You know, that's an unfortunate aspect of our culture, though, isn't it? That some styles, personality styles, are more venerated, if you will, than others. But, Mm -hmm. But the truth is you need all of them. In order to have a healthy company, for example, or a healthy church, if you only had CEO, you know, 
leaders. And, and I think right now this might actually be a good time to start really going into the details of the PSI because I want to start using PSI language, such mm-hmm. as behavioral or cognitive. Uh, there's four of them. And I think maybe, maybe this might be good for us to continue this discussion. If you just kind of give us an understanding of what the PSI is, how it works. Well, many of the other tools out there use sort of a single theory. We're multi-theory based. And what Dr. Anderson wanted to do said, how can we create a tool that really honors the participant? So it's not designed for the test giver. It's designed for the test or the assessment taker so that you are embraced with knowledge that you can act on intentionally and deliberately afterwards. In other words, we teach you how to fish. So in our model, we use four quadrants. We call behavioral action, affective, expressive, cognitive analysis, interpersonal harmony, as the four anchor points. So all of us have all four. However, the differentiation here is that all of us have blends of those four and combinations of those four and even the intensity of those four. Now, I brought my actual four. Your, your actual letters and your numbers. Okay. Yeah, I actually I actually brought it. This has been an ongoing joke amongst mm-hmm. us because every time I come to one of Ken's sessions, he'll ask me what my numbers are and I go, I, I left it at home. How come they're crossed out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that was my that was my math. <laughs> okay, so for behavioral, I'm a 47. Cognitive, I'm a 35. Interpersonal, I'm a 37. And effective, I'm a 41. So Andy, in our model, oddly enough, he's very unique in what they call secondary pattern. So it's the combinations. It's how these interact. So let's say people are listening, so you don't have to remember this, but behavioral action is the action-oriented individual. So Andy's next score is affective expressive. But well, let's say I'm behavioral action, but my next score is cognitive analysis. We are completely different individuals, even though both of us have the same highest score. So when you think about you know, a printer and you have four primary colors that are in a laser printer, yet you have all these different colors that come out as a result of that. That's really the blend in the mix of all these four primary colors are creating this personhood of you and how you show up. So these dimensions, so for you, Andy, he has a very unique (laughs) pattern because all of his scores are 35 and above in our model, that means that he actually has a synergistic profile that's secondary, meaning all four are happening. So you're driven, but you also like to speak and a good communicator. You have enough cognitive analysis or detailed in your profile to actually want to do your PhD, like what's wrong with you, <laughs> right? And then the other, the interpersonal harmony, just enough interpersonal harmony to care about other people. <laughs> just enough. <laughs> now, Ken, is your personality similar to this or what's yours? What's yours? Mine actually is more... Um, demonstrative it was uh, my behavioral is about 55 oh, okay. 57 and then my af- affective express is 48 and then my c is 35 so, so is your c your lowest my i is the lowest I, so what would i be for a listener uh, interpersonal harmony these are the people that are wired that are caregivers that really are sensitive they really focus on other people first. Now, I, I want to speak about a misnomer. It's my number one pet peeve, <laughs> is that this whole word, introversion, extroversion in the marketplace is, in our opinion, extremely wrong. It's off. It's not right. You know, an extrovert in the normal terminology is somebody that's people-oriented. Well, that's not true. The interpersonal harmony individual in our model is the most people-oriented. So the 
what we call a criteria or a model is there's a people and there's a task orientation. So there's some people that are very people-oriented and some very task-oriented and some of us that are balanced. Introversion and extroversion has nothing to do with people. It has to do with how you see the environment and biologically how we're wired. So extroverts want to tell the environment what to do, where to go, how to manage it. They're not intimidated by it. They want to act on the environment and see how it responds to their influence of it. On the other hand, the introverted individual biologically sees the environment something where they need to be careful, they need to be cautious. They're going to see what the environment asks of them and they're going to respond to it. So the interpersonal harmony individual, they're introverted, but they're the most people-oriented group. They think the affective expressive or what other people call the socializer or the influencer is the most people-oriented. No, they're not. They tend to be self-centered. So <laughs> they they are idea-oriented. So they are people-oriented in this way. They want to influence individuals verbally to their agenda. So that's how they are seen as people-oriented, but really it's about my agenda, it's about my ideas, about my concept, and their extroversion is wanting you to go to my restaurant or my movie or my show or whatever or my event, where the interpersonal harmony person is introverted, people-oriented, and nonverbal. So in that case, they're there, they won't make a fuss, and they're there to serve you. They're there to support you, and not in a demeaning way, is because that's how they're wired. Well, thank goodness that there was this balance, Andy, as you mentioned before. If all of us wanted to be in charge, it'd be pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. That's really the beauty of it is that you have this mix. And I love how PSI really accounts for the, the variance there. Now, you've explained to us what the I is. What, explain to us what C is. Well, cognitive analysis, you know, everybody was talking about the analytical person, right? So, These are individuals who tend to be visual. They're visual learners. They see it. They get it. There's 100 words in an essay, 99 spelt right, one spelt wrong. Which one are they going to pick up? The one that's wrong. They have this natural tendency or attention to detail, the structure, the processes, the systems. So they're system-oriented as well. They are analytical. They're quality-oriented as well. At the same time, though, they also don't make decisions quickly. (laughs) And the reason why is because C's get their sort of value, their personhood, out of the quality of the work that they do. So I'm not going to rush it. Mm -hmm. You know, Rome's not built in a day kind of thing. And so if you're in a hurry and you ask a cognitive analysis person to do it, then that can stress them. The other one is they don't like open work environments, by the way, like that you have here, because they want to not be interruptive, interrupted, pardon me. So they, they want to be able to kind of be in their flow. They can work alone. They don't need you per se. They're task oriented, but interesting, even though they're introverted and they're task oriented, they're verbal. People, what do you mean? What are you talking about? No, they're outspoken about opinions. They'll challenge you on facts. They'll challenge you. No, 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 Andy, you're just blowing smoke. You, you didn't really, you're a fact checker, fact checker. And so sometimes uh, a C will call you out. I don't know if Nancy ever calls you All out. All the time. <laughs> okay. How calls, big was that fish again? <laughs> that was very big. That's right. <laughs> calls you out, just said, hey, come on, you're exaggerating. 
because it's we would need the real numbers. And the other one is if you show it to them, they'll get it. So they're visual learners. So podcasts that have notes help them, you know, if they can see a video that's better for them, if they can actually see the, I'll call it the visual, the Excel spreadsheet versus me just telling you some numbers over the phone or Skype or something, then that benefits them. As Ken's talking here, you're probably imagining this resource is quite helpful for young marrieds or those who've been married for a long time. This is one of those things that I actually found quite helpful in understanding, Nancy, as you as you were dialoguing, you know, because there were times in my life where I'm just like, man, why do you keep questioning everything that I'm saying or why or, you know, fact checking, if you will, or or why when I've asked you to proofread something and I want you to kind of get the ethos of it instead, you just point out all the grammatical errors to me, you know, you can easily get frustrated by that. But once you start to realize, oh, this is how. They're wired. This is actually their gifting. It starts to change the, the way that you interact with those people, whether or not they're your spouse, a friend, or a coworker. Well, point being, thank goodness there are high C airplane mechanics versus the expressive <laughs> one who said, just like, take off. You don't you, want to be flying on a plane that I've worked on. <laughs> well, you heard about this airplane that landed last week, and they had duct tape on the part that had fallen off. Okay. And so I said, well, that was obviously a high, highly high C uh, airplane mechanic. Not, not at all, right? Now, in your book, just to pump this for people, if you buy the book, at the back of it is a code, right, Ken? Mm-hmm. And then they, I'm looking at my code right here. Uh, it's on the back page. Now, if you go onto your website, you plug that in, people can take the PSI for free. It's included as part of the book. So the personal style indicator normally is a retails for 45. The book's 30. If you buy you know, bulk, you can get the book less than that. But you can once you get the book, then you have the code, you insert it, you go to the wiretomorelikeme.com site and redeem the code there. So we yeah, we include the personal style indicator. The reason being is that your own personal report is the most important element of this whole learning. So that if I can get anchored and understand myself, then I can go and start to learn and understand others. Now, we teach three steps. Number one is understand other people who, you know, people are constantly leaving us clues about what they want, what they need, who they are, but we're not paying attention. We don't even know what to look for. Number two, we call it suspending, but it's really putting yourself in neutral. So I'm not saying and asking you to change who you are, but we are saying, you know what, get out of the way of your self-centeredness and let Nancy show up is kind of what we're saying. Mm. And then the third style, which were your, or the third step, what you were talking about is style shifting, which is, okay, what does that other person need and want from me for me to build credibility? Because inherently, again, we're all self-centered. What is it that they need or want so that I can build a relationship with that person? So I'm not changing who I am, but I am adjusting my approach to serve you, to build relationship with you. And what's interesting, as I do that, credibility goes up and their willingness to work with you. I bet if we had Nancy sitting here, she would say, you know, Andy's kind of irritated me a couple of times. <laughs> and, and so, and so, well, what is it that he did that was irritating you? And it kind of be this opposite sort of mirror thing. So all of us are in this constant adjustment. Some of us are better than others to do it. And so knowing self is great, but then being in charge of self. There's a new research out, and you'll love this, Andy. I don't know if I've shared this with you before. Dr. Tasha wrote a book called Insights, and he was talking about self-awareness, right? And that's what Why Aren't You More Like Me and the Personal Style Indicator does probably as well as any tool. In her research, she says, what percentage of people believe that they know themselves 
and other people perception of them is equal to or in agreement. And so 95% of people believe that they know themselves well and how they show up and how other people see them is congruent. Do you know what percentage of people, you do, actually agreed with other people's perceptions of themselves? What do you think the answer is to that research? Oh, man, it's got to be low. <laughs> yeah, probably. Low, low. How low? How low can Come you Come on, know? listeners. Terry, <laughs> what would you Terry, say? Terry, expose yourself. I don't know. <laughs> Percentage-wise? Yeah. Like 7%. You're close. 10%. I was going to say 20 <clears throat> 10%. So we are terrible at our own. So 7%. 10%. Sorry, 10%. 10%. So 10%. 10%. So 85% of people that are listening, who you think you are and how you show up is not congruent how other people are experiencing you. And so, it, so self-awareness, she talks it about as the meta skill for the 21st century. I need to know that I know that I know myself. I mean, that's why we have all these other tools around leadership skills, et cetera, et cetera. But understanding myself. So self-awareness is one area. But then I have two new steps or two additional steps, self-management and self-mastery. So just because I know myself and I'm a jerk a lot of the times doesn't really help. Can I really manage myself so that I don't come across as a jerk or not really being patient with other individuals or whatever the case might be? Mm-hmm. Or the flip side is that if you're always constantly playing the victim and saying yes when you want to say no, then you need to own your assertiveness, you know, whatever it is that you need to do. If I have lots of C in my profile, then you can have a critical nature and that can cost the relationships around you, if all you bring to people is what they do wrong, then how, how's that going to build relationships? So all of us have stuff, or if I'm effective expressive and then I don't shut up and I don't give other or space to other people for them to talk or I exaggerate or I'm constantly late. Well, all of these, every, like we said before, every style has related challenges. So I need to kind of own that space. Now, there's something interesting about self-mastery that I've heard you talk a lot about, and that is when you begin to understand how this works with yourself, you can begin to apply this to other people. So you've gotten quite good at interacting with people and being able to identify what their PSI most likely would be. Could you give us an example? Well, we teach people to ask three simple questions, which comes out of the model. It's chapter six in the book is we ask, is this person being introverted or extroverted in our definition? Are they trying to be in charge of the environment or is the environment telling them what to do? Are they mostly focused on the people side or the task side? Are they wanting to get things done? So you ask that. And then the last question is, are they verbal or nonverbal? And here's what we mean by that. It's the amount of language they need to use to communicate a concept or be understood. So if you ever send an email to somebody and all it needs is okay or yes, and then they send you seven pages, Or you send them five specific questions with five specific answers required, and they say, okay. (laughs) Okay to what? What? There's there's five questions there. And so you ask that question, and then based on that, on our grid, which I teach that out of chapter six, seven, eight, nine, is that now I can understand who this person is. So let's let's just use Arnold Schwarzenegger for example, right? Is he extrovert or introvert? Is he tell the environment what to do or not? He tells the environment what to do, which is B and A in our profile. Is he verbal or nonverbal? Well, he tends to be, he's outspoken, but he's nonverbal. He doesn't use a lot of language. So that means that he's I 
and B. And then is he people or is he task? Well, he's mostly task oriented, which is B and C. Well, the B comes up three times. So then that means that he's behavioral action oriented as a lead, right? So most of us are a blend of two letters. Then there's a third of the population where many of the other tools don't have a blend of three letters and you're a blend of four letters for your secondary. Other tools don't even believe you exist, Andy. (laughs) There's another tool out there. If you were to take it, they said, oh, by the way, you have filled out the report wrong. You need to take it over again because you don't exist. And so, you know, I think it's discriminatory because the majority, 30 or a third of the population, pardon me, have this blend of three or four letters together. Well, that's completely okay. And by the way, that's what our reports, how they're written, is to represent this pretty complex dynamic mm-hmm. where some of you say, you know what, sometimes I'm people oriented, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm verbal, sometimes I'm not. Well, then you're midline. And that's quite okay. And then other people are more extreme. And when I say just definitive of who they are, well, that's fine too. It's interesting, the accuracy of this, because in the book, you can go find your profile and read what your personality style is like. And it's like looking in a mirror. It's actually quite creepy. As you read in your book, basically you just explaining to yourself, this is what you're like. And you're like, yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm like. I have found it so interesting over the years when we've brought young adults to this course and this, you know, again, this aha moment where they're like, yeah, that is the way that I'm thinking. That is the way I process that and really gives them some insights into themselves. But more than that, insights into those people around them. Now, as we come to a conclusion here, if there's people that want to be, you know, go deeper into this. Say there's a, a manager or somebody who's in business, a CEO, or they, and they'd love to be able to really have a firm understanding of this. What would you say? You know, there's the book, but is there any other teaching opportunity where they could come? Well, we now have it? the book as a full e-course. So we've gone and taken the six hours, the full day. I know when we work with your young adults, we usually condense it to four. But we have a six-hour course, and then we also have a 10-hour course. But we've added that, and that's an e-course. Or they can just call. I mean, there's the whyaren'tyoumorelikeme.com site, which is the book site, or crgleader.com or KenKeys.com. So all of those are places where they can find out more, discover more, find out the differences, why this tool is preferred over others, you know, 80% of the time. And Which how, I'd 100% agree with. And, really and agree. it is a bias, but one of the things you talked about, I know we're wrapping up, is it took 20 years to refine the in-depth interpretations with thousands of participants. So we really were honoring the feedback of others. And the other one, if you're really brave, and this is what we've taught Andy to do, I'm not sure if he's done it or not, (laughs) and that is is take your in-depth report and hand it over to somebody else that knows you well and let them read it and let them underline what they believe to be true, where we have some challenging statements, meaning, well, Ken, you don't tend to be very patient, da-da-da-da-da. And I might, "Ah, I don't agree with that. And then I just give it to somebody else that, oh, that's you. That's for sure you. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a powerful indicator of areas in your life that perhaps you need to work on. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, honestly, I could talk so much more about this. Was it part of this book was your doctoral work? No, that was actually the other book, which was Deliberate Leadership. So Deliberate Leadership is the sister book to Wiretremor Like Me, where Dr. Mitch Javidi and myself work together to refine the book and to focus only on style and leadership. And it's now being used as a core curriculum for law enforcement for the U.S. 
So that's a pretty phenomenal kind of event that Mitch has got going on there with that same content and the personal style indicator. That's incredible. There's so much more that we could talk about. We will definitely have you back out. I mean, you've been at the conference before talking on this. I think some people might go, this seems like a weird topic to talk about on Apologetics Canada, but not to us. Yeah. Uh, this is something that it, that we are intimately involved with and believe strongly in, particularly with regards to the gospel and the importance of something that we talk about so often, that you've been created to be in relationship with God and each other. And if we're going to do that effectively and do so in a way that honors our personality style and honors the personality style of those that we volunteer and work with, our family, our friends, we need to understand ourselves and other people better. Absolutely. I mean, you know, my heart, Andy, is that, you know, my self-worth really sucked, pardon the word, when I was younger. And that's because I was never really appreciated for who I was. And so every single person listening, you matter, Mm. you count, you have been divinely created with preferences that are not right or wrong, but we need to take responsibility because we can be self-centered and everybody around you, the same thing. Why wouldn't we honor that? Why wouldn't we want to know that? And anybody that says that, well, this doesn't exist, I said, I'm sorry. I have 30 years of experience and hundreds of thousands of people that will prove you wrong is that every single person has a personal style and is affecting every relationship and every decision that you make every single day. I'm looking at the back of my PSI sheet and you can see all the names of my leaders and all of their PSI scores. I don't hire people, nor do I have volunteer work with people if I don't understand their PSI scores. It is an incredible resource, helps you manage and work with people so much better. Thank you for this resource. Thanks for coming out on the show. You're welcome. Want to encourage you? I'm getting no royalties. I'm getting no kickbacks here. Uh, I don't know. I think I bought you lunch before. (laughs) That's true. I also recognize that you have a podcast. Yes, I do. What's the name of that? It's called The Secrets of Success with Dr. Ken Keyes. And actually, Andy, we just had you on ours. That's right. That's right. I was on. was there. It was great. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you, Ken. Yes. Thanks for coming out. You guys, too. Great to talk with you today. Thank you for joining us, listeners. The AC Podcast is the Ministry of Apologetics Canada. And we'll come back next week with more things to think about. Mm